right. Hello. Welcome to uh, the latest episode of It Stinks, the critic podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinell, and uh, joining me this week as we examine season one, episode eight, Marathon Mensch, is a uh, TV writer and comedian. She has written for The Detour, and she is writing for an upcoming DreamWorks animated show that we can't say the title of yet. Uh, but please welcome Stephanie Streisand. Hi. Hey, how's it going, Stephanie? Good. How's it going? How's I'm great. I'm, uh, yeah, <laughs> thank you so much for doing the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so I, I remember you, like, originally reached out to me, actually, saying you were a big fan of The Critic. So, yeah, tell me about that. I I, uh, I grew up watching The Critic. Uh, my twin brother and I would watch it. Um, and, uh, I mean, we loved it. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, what else is there to say about it? It's just yeah. really funny. Um, the characters were really fun. The jokes were... Uh, I loved the the cutaways, the inserts. Uh, yeah. Um, I just loved that, uh, you know, they could do satire within their show as well as like, it just was all over the place. I mean, I'm just talking yeah. out of my ass right now, but like <laughs> yeah. it was, it was one of my favorite cartoons. Uh, yeah. Growing so, up. so you watched it when it was like originally on television. Yeah. And then my brother and I watched it again with the commentary. Yeah. So like I, I watched it when it was originally on too. And it's one of those shows where I was probably too young to watch it at the time so like there were definitely a ton of jokes i didn't get but you know that's been one of the the fun parts of going back and revisiting it is that like oh there's so many more references that i get now yeah i I haven't actually checked out any of the um commentary though i do have the dvd but i haven't uh listened to the commentary yet is it is it good i uh, it, it it's fun it's it's as fun as the simpsons uh commentary um, but, um, you, uh, it's, it's been a while. I haven't heard it for like 10 years, okay. I want to say. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I guess I should have listened to that also before the podcast too. Uh, I mean, you know, it's, I usually don't talk about the, the commentary on here, so I don't know, maybe, maybe I will eventually, but right. until, until then. Yeah. Awesome. And then I, I also wanted, since I know you are also uh, a, a TV writer, like you have that experience, I just wanted to kind of uh, get your thoughts on like, does that change the way you watch TV shows now? Like when you are watching something like a, a sitcom or whatever, do you, are you kind of like breaking it down in your mind as to how you think it was written or, or anything like that? Um, yes and no. Like there were certain things that I could tell was changed as it went on. Like they, they obviously couldn't get the happy birthday rights to the Marilyn Monroe joke. Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So so they sang the other song, but, uh, um, yeah, I mean, you, you, uh, you improvise, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's like that. It's like, once you know certain things or like sketch writing, it's like, once you know the formula, you always see the formula in front of you. Mm Mm-hmm kind of thing so yes like you you watch it kind of on two levels and it's nice when you kind of forget about the structure and the formatting which i i found myself just enjoying myself in the in the third act I yeah just ha- i was just having a ball in the third act 
Yeah, the third act of this episode where they finally, they just were off to the marathon and it's really just, yeah, just joke after joke after joke because there's not not a whole lot of story to go at, at that point. So, yeah, they just kind of let the jokes fly. Yeah. Yeah, definitely very fun. Um, and I've found myself like, like I don't have any like professional TV writing experience, but I've, you know, I've studied sitcom writing. I've written like pilots and, and specs and that kind of thing. And mm-hmm. um, I did find that like, yeah, now whenever I'm watching a comedy show or especially like a sketch show or something, I can't turn off my analytical brain. So that kind of led me to watching more like dramas just because that's yeah. not my genre of choice. So I don't feel like I have to study it. I can just kind of <laughs> turn my brain off and enjoy it. Yeah, I uh, I watch a lot of British panel shows. For oh, OK. <laughs> yeah, which I guess are like unscripted. Yeah, it's all it, basically. I mean, it depends on the panel show, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's similar in that you're not like watching the structure in front of you and analyzing it at the same time as you're supposed to enjoy yourself. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's just probably something that only a very small group of people struggle with. Yeah. (laughs) Watching something and yeah, not being able to stop analyzing it. Um, But speaking of uh, analyzing something, let's get into uh, this episode, Marathon Mensch, which I think um, I think the title of this episode, it I think it kind of confirms that Jay is Jewish like the the show. I don't think they kind of ever explicitly say it. We kind of just they drop these hints every now and then. I mean, when does he like uh, I mean, I'm trying to think of past episodes, but like, doesn't he like play uh, Hava Nagila out of his belly button? Yeah. Or he well, Is he's that in the pilot. I don't know. He's uh, he's actually blowing through like a box of candy like it's a, a flute or something. Um, oh, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. There's a different episode where he sticks a, a trumpet on his belly button, but it it, it is not playing Hava Nagila. It's playing. I don't know something else but but yeah he plays Hava Nagila uh that's on the episode Marty's first date uh so yeah there's and then when he's doing that we see we actually see like a rabbi sitting behind him like dancing and enjoying the music like just going crazy I love that yeah yeah um <laughs> so yeah. we get uh we get Marathon Mensch and then there's also another kind of sly reference later in the episode where um Jeremy is like offering Jay some food or whatever while he's running and Jay's like some Kugel, Kug- yeah. <laughs> yeah, some Google you have. Yeah. So I, I guess yeah, I'm just I'm just gonna call it Jay is Jewish. Yeah. I always thought that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. So uh I'm just gonna give the synopsis of the episode here. When an accidental fire breaks out in the studio during his TV show, Jay's whole audience watches as he panics and runs <laughs> screaming from the set. Jay gamely struggles to reestablish his manhood. Because, yeah, that, that's what we want out of a film critic, right? Is manliness. I, I mean, it, it works. It's an episode, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to turn him out. Uh, but, like, some really, you know, as, like, as you described that, you know, they made it really funny. Uh, the episode's really funny for yeah. like, such a like loose kind of like, uh, what's this episode? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, 
I do think this episode is really funny, and it's just, I guess it's it's maybe a welcome break from uh, constantly making fun of Jay's weight, as the show does, and so now they're making fun of his lack of machismo. <laughs> so... As this episode opens, we're on uh, Jay's show where he's reviewing uh, The Bad News Mets starring Tony Curtis. Uh, kind of a fun parody of The Bad News Bears. And also the Mets at that time who were getting into trouble. Yeah. So I am not really a sports person at all, but this is one of the few random bits of sports trivia that I do know was that, yeah, there was a time when the Mets were known as the scum bunch. <laughs> and they were renowned for their, yeah, just outrageous behavior when, like, Daryl Strawberry and was on the team and stuff. Yeah. Are you, um, I'm sorry, I, I maybe should have asked before we started recording, but are you a native New Yorker or anything like that? Or anything are, like that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, yeah, I'm a New Yorker. Okay, cool. I'm uh, from Long Island. Got it. Okay. So, yeah, so, like... New York, very central to this show. Yeah, I guess that's another reason why we turned. It was just like it. It was. Uh, it took place in New York uh, about a, a Jew. Like I'm a New York Jew, so just like uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, I think that's <laughs> although his parents are super waspy. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean Jay is adopted, of course, but yeah. So we get we get both of those. Cool. So, um, so yeah, after, uh, the bad news Mets, uh, Jay kind of presents this segment, uh, when films didn't stink so much. And we're looking at the silent film career of someone named Silas B. Manchester. So we get a few like silent film parodies of like, um, there was the Chaplin parody and the Buster Keaton parody. Yeah. And then the brief, like, look at his um, old vaudeville routine. I loved that. (laughs) They're just all just kicking each other. And uh, Jay mentions that he's trying to save the films because they were shot on ultra flammable film stock. So, (laughs) of course, cut immediately to the film stock catching on fire and the fire spreads. And then we get... One of my favorite with, just with, with last action hero on it. Oh God, I missed that. <laughs> right. So it was just like, let's burn it, let's blow up. Yeah. Like it <laughs> seems like they just wanted to burn last action hero. <laughs> I mean, Arnold is definitely one of this show's favorite targets. He <laughs> shows up a lot. Um so yeah, the film catches on fire and we get one of my just favorite quick throwaway jokes. The fire ignites a loop and we get a bunch of animals like dogs jumping through the loop followed by a dolphin just out of nowhere so yeah that was cute yeah the so (laughs) like this show they generally stay pretty grounded but every now and then they'll have just like a little cartoonish flight of fancy and it it's always fun when they do (laughs) do that yeah i like it yeah i like their style (laughs) (laughs) so um so, yeah, the whole studio catches on fire. Jay panics and like they keep rolling while the fire is is like happening. And so we see like Duke reacting to it and like the stoned college students who always watch Jay are reacting to it. Help! What a wimp. I don't know why I hired him. 
You were whacked out on painkillers for your back. Oh, yeah. That was the same week I bought those pandas. Hong Ping, don't eat daddy's Picasso. Oh, yeah. I thought, um, I don't know what happened there, but it seemed like, um, it seemed like that joke was, uh, was really, like, not done right. Like, it was, like, it was a, well, I loved the joke, but it was, like, run over. The, the uh, stagehand returning to save the box of donuts. Oh, dear. I gotta go back. Mmm, chocolate. Yeah, I thought it was like a little too rushed. Hmm. I was like, ah, but that's like a, they only have so much time. Like, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And I mean, that could be one of those things where like maybe you only catch it on a second viewing or something. It just, it just the, my point, it just wasn't enough of a, I just wanted that fake out joke to really be there. And it was like, oh, oh, I, I see. Felt- like, yeah, like it, we should think that he's going to rescue Jay, but then. He, d- yeah. he doesn't. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. But, yeah. But we do get uh, Doris rescuing Jay, the uh, chain-smoking hair and makeup uh, lady. So, um, so yeah, I love when she, she first, uh, you know, comes out of uh, the, the green room and she's like, It looks like hell, but it smells like heaven. Yeah. So yeah, she she rescues Jay. She's dragging him uh, down the stairs, and then like she's stopped by two people from Fox and ABC who both offer to buy her story. Like yeah, because <laughs> um, I, I guess it just happens that that quickly, right? Or they're just. I mean, back then it was very like we want to get your life story right now. <laughs> like just sign it. Um, I think like Roseanne did a joke like that too around the same time when she on her show when she like won the lottery and they want there was oh, like really? a life episode. Um but I mean this is a one off joke. Yeah. But um <laughs> but um uh yeah. And I and I also like like we see it in, in this episode and in others, but it's just like I guess Jay's show is broadcast live, which I think they they do that just more for maybe like story convenience and, and, you know, making jokes about live television because like, you know, no, like there's no really no need for him to to broadcast live like that. But um, they do get a lot of uh, good jokes out of that. (laughs) Um, All right. So after uh, Doris rescues Jay, that's when we first kind of get the sense that like you know uh jay is perhaps like kind of a i guess like a a wuss as the show kind of portrays him the the character makes it there's a character that runs on that's like this is how you feel about this yeah the uh the news reporter you must be very appreciative of this woman she's like the proverbial mother who lifted the volkswagen off her child except you are the volkswagen and the child is the child in all of us what are you talking about? I don't know. I was hired for my looks. Yeah. So he's he's gets it in his head, and then that's what sends it off. It's just like a character being like, and this is how you feel about this. Now let's have this yeah. episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I guess, yeah, that kind of sets the plot uh, in motion, because then, like, we skip to Jay back at home uh, with Marty, and they're watching TV, and, and uh, I guess Doris... It did end up selling her story because it is already on television. 
Um, yeah. It's the cowering inferno with uh, Jessica Tandy and uh, a sumo wrestler playing Jay. Tonight's regularly scheduled program, Cops Goes to Shannon Doherty's House, will not be seen, so we can bring you the following Fox original movie, The Cowering Inferno, The Jay Sherman Story. Starring Jessica Tandy as the courageous Doris and sumo wrestler Toru Sakai as the cowardly film critic. Help! Help! I've got to go potty! Right. So, it, yeah, it, they've already got it on television. It's kind of amazing. Though I loved the the joke that happens right before this where they said, you know, our regularly scheduled program, cops go to Shannon Doherty's house or whatever. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Another, I guess, very 90s thing, because I remember Shannon Doherty was on Beverly Hills 90210, but I don't really like I was too young to really follow the news. So I don't know if she had run ins with the police or anything like that. I didn't think she did, but I I know that she had problems on the show like uh, they they had to remove her from the show because she wasn't getting along with cast members. Oh, hmm. that's what I remember about that time. Uh, but. Uh, yeah, all these jokes did make me wonder, like, um, were the writers ever a little bit nervous about which episode was going to be theirs based on like some of the celebrity jokes? Like, were they ever nervous that it was going to bite them in the ass later Hmm. or were they just like, uh, fuck it. Like, (laughs) yeah, like Shannon Doherty could have been maybe someone they might have like wanted to reach out to to be like a guest or or something i mean yeah i mean i don't know it just it did cross my mind of like oh like if they had made fun of i don't know like there was nothing there was no joke in particular that i was like ooh, i wonder if that like bit anybody Mm. in the ass or whatever but like there were no jokes like that but i just wondered if throughout the series there maybe might have <laughs> yeah well because like yeah they they make fun of like tons of celebrities on this <laughs> show and they're usually either like someone who is maybe like you know passed on like marlon yeah. brando or um orson wells or i mean if someone who's like so famous that it's like well they'd never be on our show anyway like arnold schwarzenegger or like keanu reeves who they make fun of a lot Right. Yeah. So like, yeah, it's probably like, well, they're such huge stars. Like they probably don't even watch our dumb little show anyway or whatever. Right. But then afterwards, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, People move on and like, I don't know. Yeah. 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 (laughs) (laughs) And I think, you know, you got to have the ability to laugh at yourself at least a little bit. Right. Oh, of course. Okay. So. Uh, so yeah, so this does put the idea in Jay's head to that he wants to be more macho. So we get kind of a montage of him trying different things to kind of toughen his image. Yep, trying three different things. Yeah, <laughs> of course, rule of three, classic uh, rule of comedy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and I love that the the first thing he tries is bungee jumping. Oh, God, I loved that bungee jumping joke. So he's on the bridge, which I don't know if that's the George Washington Bridge or whatever. I don't really know New York uh, geography that well, but I assumed it was the Hudson River. Okay, or maybe not. I forget. I forget where it was. Uh, But anyway, yeah, all the water in New York was like shit. (laughs) Yeah. So when Jay jumps, he he 
goes into the water all the way to the bottom, bonks his head on the bottom, and then when he comes up, he's completely covered in trash. Doesn't just bo- not only bonks his head, but it's a jagged, sharp rock. Yeah. It looks quite painful. Uh, I uh, I watched it this. I rewatched it this morning and went like, <laughs> I I made a verbal noise when he said yeah. all three times. Definitely another sort of like cartoonish moment because like I was very much reminded of like you know the coyote and Roadrunner kind of thing. Yeah, like it seemed. Like, that was the sort of thing they were going for. Coyote and Roadrunner? It was very, like, Simpsons joke to me. It was like, uh, you know, Homer going down the mountain kind of thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> God, that's, yeah, that's one of my all-time favorite Simpsons jokes, that that episode where he falls down the gorge. Yeah, it's, uh, that's what it kind of reminded It was just, like, more and more garbage. Also... Mm. What was interesting with the animation is it was like a little limited in the animation. So every time he, the first time he went down, he came up with garbage, but the garbage always had to stay in the same place when he bungee jumped back up. Mm. So things were just added to him each time, which (laughs) I thought was interesting and fun. Yeah. I don't really know much about like how this show got drawn or anything like that. I mean, I don't know much about animation in in general, but. Yeah, I don't know if that was like a budgetary thing or or what. Yeah, sometimes just like that's what it is. He's not going to be uh, in wet, <laughs> gross garbage and we can't like make him appear that wet. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then the next thing we see is maybe the most problematic thing in this episode. He, he goes to like a uh, well, the sign informs us it's the Iron Bruce retreat, which I don't really know what that means but it's basically like an indian sweat lodge or like a uh outdoors retreat kind of thing where they're all in like daddy daddy keep it down son i'm trying to get it to rain harvey's bristol cream uh, it was like a men's a men's retreat where they go like uh yeah where they get in touch with their emotions and whatever yeah yeah but like there's a bunch of teepees around and like jay's dad like tries to do a rain dance to to get it to rain alcohol so like right one of those things that yeah definitely hasn't aged well on this show um but also it wasn't a joke based on nothing people were doing that true yeah i mean they weren't doing uh uh, they weren't beating a drum to try to make it rain alcohol, but like they were going on these kind of kinds of weird, uh, not PC retreats. Yeah. So it wasn't basic. It wasn't like it was like, uh, let's invent something. <laughs> that's like right. This. Right. I know. Yeah. It, it like didn't come out of nowhere. So, yeah, it's one of those things that like, yeah, it was just around at the time. Yeah. And it was fucked up. But it, and it's just like for sure. Like there's definitely it was a big thing of like white people thinking native Americans were just like more in touch with spirituality or nature or whatever. So they, whatever it was. Yeah. In the nineties. And now it's just like, yeah, if anything, now it kind of, that joke kind of just calls out the like weirdness of the fucked upness of what it was (laughs) in the night. Yeah. Like they just totally, commodified the culture and now they're just like look how fucking weird it is <laughs> now now when you watch it yeah 
Yeah, definitely weird artifact of the 90s that we get yeah. there. Um, yeah. Uh, but after this, we get, I think, my favorite way that Jay tries to man up. He becomes a human fly. This will turn my image around because nothing turns on the chicks like a human fly. Or was it Spanish fly? Yo, fly, give me a wallet. Help me. Um. Oh, yeah. That's like a two. Se- That's right. It's like I'm going to be like Batman, right? Yeah. For like two seconds. Which is like, yeah, another thing that they didn't like make up whole cloth. There was definitely like there have been people that have like put plungers on their hands and like climbed a building and it turned into like the biggest news story of the week. It did feel like a little of a leap. Yeah. <laughs> I loved the randomness. Yeah. It wasn't random, but it was very like, uh, it was like the last wolf thing. Yeah. <laughs> it just felt like, yeah, it was fun. Yeah. Um, and then Jay's like, or wait, was that Spanish fly <laughs> that, that, you know, turns on women? Um, but yeah, that's great. Him as the human fly. So that, uh, so then, oh yeah. So when he's just sort of, stuck on the side of the building he sees the banner announcing the new york marathon and immediately he's like yes that's it that's what i'm gonna do i'm gonna run the marathon yeah so he immediately decides he's gonna run the marathon so he goes to sign up i'd like to run in the marathon everyone taking part in the elvis relay team is supposed to sign up over there kind of joking that Jay kind of looks like old fat Elvis or whatever, but another, I think really funny, just random reference, having a team of Elvis impersonators in the marathon. Oh, I love, I loved, uh, I loved it. Cause I loved watching Jay Sherman do an Elvis impression. And I loved watching <laughs> the Elvis impersonators back him up. I loved it. Yeah. Uh, I don't care how far fetched it was that the signups <laughs> would be right next to it. Yeah. It was worth it. Uh, the weird justification was worth it for the joke. <laughs> well, since my baby left me, well, I found a new place to dwell. Well, it's down at the end of Lonely Street, that heartbreak hotel. I've been so lonely, baby. Well, I'm so lonely. I've been so lonely, I could die. Thank you very much. Yeah, very glad they did that. <laughs> um, so uh, so that brings us into act two. So Jay is at his parents' house and uh, Eleanor says, oh, well, why don't you have Franklin train you? So, so we get this kind of fun montage of Franklin training Jay for the marathon. Although we also get... Uh, Franklin showing this old, like, framed newspaper headline of him being indicted for fixing the World Series. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, another really random reference to, like, the, was it the 1918 World Series? Uh, with the White Sox? Yeah, where, like, the World Series actually was fixed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the World Series was fixed. <laughs> maybe... Yeah, I can't remember exactly what year it is, but it's just, I guess. <laughs> I know the team. I yeah. know. <laughs> <laughs> just showing, I guess, how. I know the movie's based on it. Uh, oh, yeah. I know. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. You know who should train you, your father. I was quite an athlete in my day. Just look at this. Oh, whoopsie. So then we get uh, 
Franklin has Jay run to a, a lighthouse and back. And that turns into like a free Willy parody after Jay like takes so long to run back that he ends up being like rescued by like a wildlife team. Um, yeah, I liked the he ate this chum line. Yeah. That was fun. <laughs> uh, and then the next scene we get uh, one of my favorite running gags of the the butler Shackelford just being secretly resentful of Jay. Now, Shackelford. You hold Jay's feet while he does setups. Eh? Sir, isn't this the day I usually give enemas to the horses? Please say it is. Oh, yeah, where he said, please tell me it's my day to do this awful task. Yeah, um, yeah where he's like, yeah, where he want he... Uh, it was a great fake outline because it was like you thought he was trying to get out of doing that job and then he was like, no, I'd rather do that job. But instead, yeah, he's got to help Jay do sit-ups or whatever. We get the next to the next episode of Jay's show where he's like now trying to show off the new lean, mean Jay where he tries to hold a pencil under his breast and he can't do it anymore. (laughs) (laughs) What is boobs are perkier? (laughs) Yeah, they're like, you know, when you get some muscle tone behind those, they're just going to look rounder (laughs) um uh but we also he's reviewing uh the ike turner story oh yeah i loved (laughs) that tina i love you but if you need to go solo to satisfy yourself artistically i understand i more than understand i respect you for it you are the greatest lover who ever walked the planet i always love you ike my work is done here now Rick James and I are going to go found the National Organization for Women. So, yeah, obviously based on uh, What's Love Got to Do With It, the Tina Turner movie that came out around that time. But, yeah, it's basically like Ike is now trying to make him look like the perfect feminist. Um, so, yeah, very bizarre turn. But, yeah, like uh, I-, I loved that one. I, lo- I loved it because it was just like my side of the story is I'm the most perfect person in the world. <laughs> like, uh, Yeah. And, you know, a guy would never pretend to be a feminist just to make himself look better. <laughs> 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 All right. So basically, like, we just get some random kind of jokes of, of Jay kind of preparing to run the marathon. Like, I think that's when the show really picks up is when we finally get to the marathon. But there's one kind of quick scene I wanted to, to highlight here. When Jay goes to the, the restaurant, Lane Reish. Tonight, I'm on a diet. Tell Vlada Jr., no Harvard. In fact, I may just have coffee. Pull the plug on mama. It's like, yeah, Jay, like, single-handedly is putting his kid through college with how much he's at that restaurant. And it's uh, his his friend is great. What's his friend? What's the oh, character? Jeremy, the actor. Yeah. Yeah. He's in it a whole bunch in this episode. Duke is barely in it. <laughs> yeah. Very little Duke, unfortunately. But um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, we'll get we. Yeah. There was actually a previous scene at, at the restaurant with with Jeremy and he's going to show up later during the marathon. Yeah. But yeah. So when we finally get. Like when the marathon is about to start, we actually get um, uh, Bob Costas is there. Yeah. Hello, I'm Bob Costas, and this is the moment we've all been waiting for, the start of the 1994 New York Marathon. 
That wasn't the starting gun. That was just some stray gunfire that hit the BF Skidmark blimp. Can we get a shot from the blimp? Uh, actually, you know, doing his own voice. So that's that's fun. Yeah, he was doing a lot of comedies. Uh, maybe not the 90s, but before that, like he's in Bananas, isn't he? Oh, I don't know. I haven't actually seen that. Bob Costas is in a is in a couple of comedies where he just he's just him. <laughs> okay, because <laughs> okay. yeah, I uh, I know he's a pretty famous like he's mostly a sports reporter, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that's that's fun. He sh- he shows up as himself, and then uh, we get the uh, we hear a gunshot, and he explains it's that's not the starting pistols. That was just a piece of random gunfire. That was great. Yeah, especially when. He says, like, it's shot at the blimp. Then we go to the... The, the blimp <laughs> camera. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that, like, that's one of the few, I think, topics that still holds up from this show whenever they joke about, like, gun violence. Uh, unfortunately, still very relevant. I mean, not on the streets of New York. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no gun violence there, right? Um. <laughs> all right so um <laughs> uh so the marathon starts um bob costas gives us this uh inside the jock special where we get a joke about mario cuomo after deep soul searching i have decided to run i have decided not to run please mario we want you to run People have spoken. I'm running. Eh, maybe next year. Uh, deciding to run, i.e. run the marathon. Oh, I love, yeah, that was smart. Great political commentary. <laughs> yeah, the, there are a few jokes in, in throughout this show about New York politics that I definitely did not get at the time. And I only sort of get them now because like another Cuomo is running New York City currently. Right. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) It's uh, it's what his brother like. I don't actually know. (laughs) But anyway, uh, Andrew Cuomo, good guy. Oh, and uh, we also see in that Inside the Jock special, we meet Charlie Phillips, the man running with a live ferret in his pants. Then there's Charlie Phillips, who's running the entire marathon with a live ferret in his pants. It's not my choice. Oh, right. <laughs> and and I, I believe it's Maurice LaMarche doing his voice, but it's definitely like one of those joke voices that I've heard before, but I can't it quite was like, place it's it. Droopy, droopy dog. Yes. Oh God. That's it. Where he's like, it's not by choice. It, yeah, <laughs> it definitely sounds like a uh, droopy dog. Yeah. Cool. So Jay is running the marathon and then, yeah, Jeremy comes up and he's just like walking, like literally walking circles around Jay. Hello, mate. You realize I can walk as fast as you can run? Even on my hands, I'm faster than you. But then we get this great thing where he's he says his agent wants him to be in Rubik's Cube, the movie, which sounds like an awesome time. <laughs> uh, but that it's actually... Just, I, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. No, no. Go, oh, go. so just him talking about Rubik's Cube, the movie, reminded me that uh, there was an actual Rubik's Cube uh, Saturday morning TV show in the 80s. 
Um, <laughs> I, I like, um, yeah, like I've never watched it, but I just, I just, I just know about a bunch of random weird shit. And that's one of those things. Like there was a Rubik's cube cartoon show. So was the movie based on that? And then it was like, <laughs> but with strippers and this and that. Cause that, that joke definitely, the only thing that I got from that joke was that it's like, here, I'm going to describe to you the shittiest movie on earth. Uh, let <laughs> me actually really quick, I'm going to look up the cartoon show. So it, it's called Rubik, the amazing cube. Uh, awesome. Uh, so the main character is an actual Rubik's cube with like a, a face and two little legs sticking out of the bottom. And it says, uh, four kids discover that their Rubik's cube is alive and uh, endowed with amazing powers. Oh my God. <laughs> they befriended the cube and they, de- and they decide the best use for its powers is solving mysteries. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, I might need to go watch that after this. He said he'll tell us, but we got to yeah. solve this the Rubik's Cube before he tells us. Fuck again. Oh, wait. Do you want me to uh, turn on screen share so we can both watch the uh, intro to Rubik the Amazing Cube? Yeah. All right. Give me just a second here. On a Okay, so that was Rubik the Amazing Cube. Uh, your thoughts? Uh, okay, uh, they had to solve it for him to appear. So every time I assume, <laughs> like, I, I mean, I made the assumption before we watched it, but so now in my head, every episode they have to solve the Rubik's Cube for it to work. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> and I so love that... I, um, I, I assume every villain takes it and just like fucks with it. And then it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'll never solve the mystery. Oh, uh, and I love that. Like he like grows a face and legs. Like it's this little face popped onto the front and then two like blocky legs sticking out the bottom. It was a cartoon to sell Rubik's cubes. <laughs> yes. Uh, yes. Like he man had a cartoon to sell action figures Rubik's Cube got his own cartoon. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> um, it, what was also strange was that it seemed to put, take place in modern day and in like a Dungeons and Dragons world at the same time. <laughs> yeah, because he falls off like this traveling cart. Dragon, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love that uh, as Rubik like levitates the children so that they can make their escape, we get the classic like bad guy like shaking his fist at them. Yeah. And oh god, the voice. He's like, uh, you know, I'm Rubik. Like, <laughs> buy <could> me. <laughs> but yeah, could not imagine putting up with that for like a full half hour. That that squeaky little voice. That was horrible. But I bet Rubik's cube spiked that time. As you know. <laughs> yeah, you mean? I mean, I had, I had a Rubik's cube as a kid, and I could not solve it to save my life. If you, but the. That was like their game. It was like if you solve it, you'll get Rubik to come out. Oh and my god! A bunch I could have just gave gave up. <laughs> I could have gone on so many adventures. 
<laughs> if I had just been a little smarter. Why are those kids getting mixed up in all those mysteries anyway? <laughs> Yeah, like that was that was the thing. If you were a kid in the 80s, you solved a mystery. But those kids weren't like Scooby-Doo kids where they were old enough to drive a van. These kids were like <laughs> seven. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So who knows what they were doing, like following this uh, traveling wagon that was going around. <laughs> All right, so let's get back into uh, an animated show that that I think is a bit better than Rubik the Amazing Cube. I don't know. Uh, I feel so, like it might be. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm probably gonna have to go back and watch that now because I'm. I'm too. I'm too deep into it. I. I have to know like what this show. What is What happens like. in that Christmas episode? <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Oh, I bet there's a mystery that involves an orphanage. <laughs> yeah. Um. And there's got to be one where they have to save the rec center or whatever. <laughs> uh, all right. So back at the New York Marathon, Jay is still chugging along. He says the tortoise shall beat the hare. And he's immediately passed by an actual tortoise. Yeah. I loved that. Is this after the marathon's basically over or before? Oh, um, let's see. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> um, All right, let's keep going. <laughs> but yeah, that does become a thing. Like Jay basically takes forever to run the marathon. We see like everyone else finish. We see the guy with the ferret in his pants finish. Look, here he comes. No, that's the gentleman with the ferret in his pants. Hey, they last at Christopher Columbus. No, they didn't. Well, they would have if he'd had a ferret in his pants. And we eventually see like an old man who is dragging a bus with his teeth finish. In fact, this 78 year old man just completed the race while pulling a bus with his teeth. I did this to show that instead of putting old people into nursing homes, you could turn us into slaves and pack animals. Charlton, it wasn't it Charlton Heston. Uh, I don't, I don't know if they gave him a name or if it was supposed to be him specifically. Oh, I he thought... definitely had that sort of energy, though. Yeah. But no. So, yeah, Jay is is uh, stuck doing the marathon, however, slowly. Um, and then we get we get an awesome kind of interlude, like when Jay gets like a runner's high. Oh, like yeah. We, yeah. We get this like fantasy sequence that I think uh, like Alf Clausen just kind of goes wild, giving us this awesome like Broadway kind of. Musical interlude. Getting a runner's high. I heard about this. It's when you break through the pain and the world becomes a beautiful place. Come on along and listen to the lullaby of Broadway. The hip hooray and ballyhoo. The lullaby of Broadway. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah, it was uh, lullaby of Broadway starts playing. Yeah. And and we see these things like the the guy doing three card Monty. He's like, they're all red. Here's your money. Yeah. And then um, the uh, the the black guy gets a, a cab to actually stop for him and gives him and a go free to, ride and to, go Harlem. to Har Harlem. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, things that I assume can only happen in a fantasy sequence. Yeah, in, that's right. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, oh, so, yeah, so Jay is, like, taking so long to finish the marathon that, like, people start thinking he's gone missing. Mm -hmm. And we flash to a 
a Hollywood executive's office. Woohoo! Yeah. Sherman's gone! Let's release that unwatchable Steve Gutenberg movie, quick! Uh, which one? Oh, that's when, I, actually, that was the joke that I thought of that, where it was like, oh, I wonder if, if anybody's ever, like, looking back going like, ooh. Oh, okay, so, like... Steve Gutenberg might have been so But at the offended. time, no, no. But, like, at oh. the time, Gutenberg was making, like, not great. He was probably doing, like, Police Academy 6 or something. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, but actually that, that scene made me wonder, like, was there actually a time when critics were so revered that studios were, like, afraid of them? Like, Yeah, Siskel and Ebert, for sure. Wow. So, like, they would – so Hollywood – Executives a lot of would. people look to Siskel and Ebert to find out what movies to see. Yeah, I guess that was true because, yeah, I definitely watched uh, their show when it was on. Um, but, yeah, isn't that – that's so wild because, like, I can't imagine that happening now. Like, like, I can't imagine a studio, like, delaying a movie or, like, basically doing anything because they're afraid of what a critic will say about it. Right. Uh, because these days, like, I don't know, most movies are, like, made for, like, international audiences, so they don't really care. Right, yeah. So definitely something that, yeah, was probably a relic of the 90s. Like, I don't think we're going to um, see something like that again. Well, now with the internet, like, everybody's a critic. Yeah, that's true. And, like, uh, I don't know when when was, like... The last time I saw like a, a commercial for a movie where they like give a bunch of like critics quotes. Like, I don't know if they still well, do they, that. They do like they do Boston Globe says mm. and and New York Times and uh, Chicago, whatever. Like they do. They do. OK. Yeah. And actually, yeah, I know, I know that like even though Ebert has passed on like Roger Ebert dot com is still kind of a reputable like movie site for film reviews and stuff. Yeah. And I think Roper still has his own show, right? Oh, I have no idea. Um, but that does remind me. Um, I, I know that Leonard Malton used to have his own uh, TV show where he would review movies. And um, I, I believe he talked about this once on Doug Benson's uh, podcast uh, where he was like the, um, the producers wanted some sort of like, uh, hook to the show like Siskel and Ebert had the thumbs up thumbs down oh so, yeah so they wanted um Malton to have something like that so what they decided on was uh instead of thumbs up or thumbs down um Leonard Malton could say if a movie was hot or not <laughs> <laughs> so like Schindler's List that's hot and I also <laughs> love that the critic of course, this. I mean, circling back to the beginning, it's fun that like his idea of good film is the silent movie actor. Oh yeah, <laughs> um, and yeah, and we and Jay, or uh, I should say, Duke tries to give Jay his own kind of gimmick like that with the uh, shermometer that um, oh yeah pops up now and then yeah. Um, um, and actually, uh, Rama Valori, who was on this show previously, said that his his username on Letterboxd is the Shermometer. Oh, like, really? Yeah, like he loves the Shermometer so much. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. Do you use Letterboxd at all? No, I don't. Nope. 
Uh, yeah, I, I like I have an account, but I like never use it. But it's it's an interesting idea, like a social media site around watching movies. Oh, I you just informed me what it is. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It's so yeah, it's letterboxed, but without the final e. So like b o x d. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of fun. So yeah, check it out if you feel like it. Who's your sponsor? You sponsored by Letterbox? Oh, we are we are hashtag not sponsored because we are also hashtag not sponsored by Crackle. Even though I tell everyone to watch the critic on Crackle. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, because it's because it's free. You can just go there and and watch it. You don't have to sign up for anything. Oh. I'm not. Yeah. Like, they have a lot of commercials, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there there are there are commercials, and uh, and technically you can find the whole series on YouTube commercial free, but that I think that's uh, you know not long for this world. Like as soon as the copyright police find it, I think they're gonna delete it from YouTube. But yeah, uh, hey, hopefully by the time this episode comes out, it's it's still there. Or just order the box set, guys. Worth it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, get get the critic on DVD again. Hashtag not sponsored. It's a great icebreaker when people are over. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, that. Oh, that's just my box set of the critic. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah. So we're almost to the end of this episode here. So like, oh yeah. So after the the Steve Gutenberg joke with the movie critics, Jay finally does manage to cross the finish line. His whole family's there to congratulate him. And Jay's like, I don't need this runner's bra anymore. And he th- throws it away. Yay! Yay, Dad! I'm so proud of you. Bravo, son. Bravo. I did it. I made it. I'm a man. I don't need this runner's bra anymore. And then, yeah, so just, I guess, the, the last kind of gag of this episode. Yeah, then we jump to the tag. Yeah. So he's just like still there. Oh, also, I loved the joke about uh, him falling over dead in the chalk circle, then getting up and then the coroner falling dead in the chalk circle. Oh, my God. The finish line. I can't believe it. I'm actually going to go the distance. From the stench, it's obvious he's been dead for several hours. The deceased appears to be about 70 years old. I've been declared dead by better coroners than you. Yeah, so that's after the fantasy, or wait, I think it's after the fantasy sequence. But anyway, yeah, at some point when Jay is running the marathon, yeah, he thinks he sees. When he's at his lowest, he's like, what will become of me? And now he's like a Marilyn Monroe impersonator. And then he like falls, (laughs) falls over. So, yeah, I guess, yeah, we get like two of Jay's fantasies while he's running. That, that was, yeah, that was some of my favorite jokes <laughs> in the episode. Oh, yeah. Right. So then, yeah, Jay cramps up and he kind of just falls to the ground stuck. Um, but his son comes and gives him a blanket and says he's proud of him. Dad, watching you run that marathon was the proudest two and a half days of my life. Thanks, son. When I grow up, I want to be a man just like you. Thanks, son. Now, could you roll me over? I think I may be lying on top of a dead cat. (coughs) No, he's fine. (laughs) And then I want to be a man like you when I grow up, which is what Jay wants to be 
I get like in Jay's yeah. mind, he, that's why he was doing all of it. So he did it. Like, ah, uh, <laughs> yay, resolution, resolution, <laughs> and joke, and we're out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of brings us to the end of the episode. Uh, anything else from this you wanted to mention that we m- maybe skipped over? Yeah, the episode was written by Judd Apatow. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Judd Apatow worked on this show, and yeah, he wrote this one. Yeah. Yeah. Very fun. It was really, it was a good episode. Very funny. Yeah, I really liked this one. I definitely remembered like the the tortoise joke stuck with me. I don't know. I don't remember if anything else did, but yeah, I I always loved that. Um, yeah, great episode. All right. Well, Stephanie, I want to thank you for joining me on this journey through um, <laughs> through uh, Marathon Mensch. Uh, do you have anything that you would like to plug or let people know where they can check you out online or anything like that? Uh, yeah, uh, things coming up. Um, I'm going to be in my apartment like every day for the next <laughs> month or so. Come check it out. Uh, <laughs> Just stay six feet away at all times. Just stay six feet away. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's a... It's, uh, uh, it's a it's slow time, you know? Yeah, I know. Like, that's literally why I started doing this podcast is because, well, I finally have the time now. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I guess we should tell people to watch The Detour. Oh, yeah. Watch The Detour. It's on Hulu all four seasons. Awesome. And I guess keep a watch out for that DreamWorks animated show that we can't say the name of yet. It's not announced yet. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, all right. Uh, well, very cool. So, uh, so yeah, thanks for joining me and I hope that all you at home will join me for the next episode of it stinks. The critic podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of it stinks. The critic podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at itstinkspod. 